Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 420 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. What episode number did you say it was? I think it was 420? Right, a number that has absolutely no significance in my life whatsoever. Or mine. Good. So, just another random number of a show that we have to do. Right. Not, uh... Not looking uh, untoward on you. I think, uh, you know, something that should be legal all over the place, I guess, if it's not already. I don't know. I'm very, I'm very checked out of any sort of recreational narcotic use. Oh, I thought it had something to do with gambling. No. Don't you Sports split four, fours and twenties or something? No, you never split tens, but I know people who do it. Right. Outside of Spectrox, I'm really out of the game of uh, illicit <laughs> drugs. I, I am completely out of it. I like my illicit drugs, personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what do we got to talk about this week, Todd? We have news, uh, TV and movie. It's just a plethora of TV and movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, also, con news, free digital books and or sales. What we read last week, which was the original graphic novel, that's what OGN stands for, I guess. My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And also Immortal Hulk number seven. What we're looking forward to this week, um, I have a couple of art attacks, one from me even, I can't wait to get to that. And then at the end, we have TV and movie talk again at the end. Spoiler filled of both The Flash and another show. I can't think of what was the other show that we watched, Joe? It's the uh, Ric Flair adventuring through time a la Quantum Leap to make sure that certain instances in the histories, the annals of sports and entertainment happen. Dr. Woo! I think it's actually the second episode of season 11 of Doctor Who. I think you you might have mixed two things up there, Joe, which I never do. So There's n- negative episodes of this show or any podcast that I'm on that I listen to. Uh, I lamented last week on uh, At Odds with Wrestling that when I end up going on one of the other shows that I like, I'm happy because I'm on the show that I'm, that I like. But then I'm unhappy because I can't listen to the show because I can't listen to myself on. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and revisit Who versus Wu from the early days of this uh, iteration of the show. What, the original one where we did the trivia game? Yes. Oh, where, where Studebaker was the, was the, was the Wink Martindale? Right. I, I don't want to go back and like do it again, but I'm, I want to go back and listen to that episode again. I bet you it stands the test of Time Lords. Ugh. What? I'd like to stand on the necks of some Time Lords. <laughs> I, I think Stan is a is a test of the Time Lords. Wait, that's something else. He'd have a sparkly scarf. <laughs> oh my god, that would be fantastic if Stan Malibu was the was the next regeneration. He would go oh. back and unpoison monkey milk. That's right. Maybe not make some business deals. <laughs> a couple things. That's right. Right. So it was kind of a lean week in comic news. Mm, 
asterisk there. A lean weekend, positive, fun comic book news. <laughs> yep. And we like to try to keep things fun and positive on the show. I do too. Right. Uh, so, it was announced that at CBS, they have a pilot commitment to do a drama based on Secret Six. But what version, Joe? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of speculation as to what version it's going to be, how it's going to work, and it's all a little unclear, at least to me, of how this is going to work. Um, being that it's pr- presented as a drama, one of the main guys involved in it, this Bill Lawrence, has done shows like Scrubs and Cougar Town and Spin City. So, you know, mm-hmm. comedy stuff. So I, I assume that there'll be some sort of like comedic element to everything, but you know, I, I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm just excited that, you know, we're going to be able to talk about secret six again. Mm-hmm. Now I just on a, on a side note with Bill Lawrence, when they said that, cause that jumped to my mind too. Have you ever watched scrubs? No. Okay. Scrubs was one of my favorite shows and as Funny as that show was, that show wasn't just a straight comedy. When that show would get dramatic, it would make you ball like a baby. There's a couple episodes where I was like, oh my God, like this comedy, like I don't, I, I feel uncomfortable after watching this, like with like a patient who's passing away and they have to like get their family and, and bring them in and it's, and it's done so well. So I could see uh, Bill Lawrence doing a lot of like that stuff too. Um, so I'm looking forward to secret sex. Obviously we got to talk about secret sex and I just, but part of me hopes it's not the original uh, theme, which seemed to be like six people, random people who get together, not Catman or the other one from the Gail Simone run who just have special, like, you know, uh, uh, talents, which it, which feels like it would be more for TV a la like mission impossible. So I don't know. I'm hoping we get the Catman. Crazy Secret Six, but I'm leaning towards the original Mission Impossible kind of Secret Six. And I think either way, you know, the way that we're more accustomed to from the Gail Simone run on the book, or Mm -hmm. that original way, I I can certainly hope that there's a lot that they could do with it. My concern is that it's not part of the CW that's being put over on CBS. Or on the DC uh, streaming. Right, or on the DC streaming, so... Is this like some sort of like weird deal that this particular property had where CBS had first option rights to it? You know, the the announcement doesn't have a ton of information about this. Right. But, no, it's just a name and a, and, a, and a producer attached. Right. It just seems odd that it would be not on one of the two already existing places that DC TV shows go to. Right. But who knows, maybe it goes over to CBS, CBS buries it, cancels it, whatever, and then it ends up on the CW like everything else does that gets shunted off, like when Constantine was on NBC, right? Yes, it was. And then that, uh, didn't they do like a Constantine special this week on the CW? Yes, they're actually, I did not know because I was upset because I watched uh, Arrow and then after Arrow, there was like, oh, we're going to have a Constantine, you know, moment where they talk to Matt Ryan, who plays him. And then it was uh, an animated uh, cartoon. Remember how they put out the Vixen cartoons and then we never knew about it? Yes. 
that's the same thing they did with this. I don't know if it was a DVD or it was webisodes or whatever. It's one of those. It flew under our radar again, and they put it on after Arrow. And I was like, oh, I would have set the DVR for that and watched it because, you know, I'm a huge con. I love the, the NBC show. I thought the NBC show was so underrated. Um, and when he came over to, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, I was so happy that they brought him over. And then, you know, the what's his guys from the Time Bureau gets to wear the Constantine wig. And I, I kind of like, you know, was so happy. Right. And, and again, this one kind of fell under the radar in that I knew about it maybe two days before it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Where I think I just randomly saw something. But I will say this, you know, I've seen a lot of ads for, you know, Flash coming back, Arrow coming back, Supergirl coming back, all this stuff coming back. And I'm sure like in a week or so, I'll start seeing stuff for Legends of Tomorrow coming back. So it's not as though DC slash CW are not pushing this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It just seems odd that they wouldn't push this. Like, push yes, what? just it's just a one-off or whatever it is. But, you know, you're, you're throwing everything else on the CW a little bit of love. Throw your other pickup some love, I got too. you. I agree. Now, again, as we're just at the tail, the beginnings of what the Secret Six show is going to be. Um, there was rumor and innuendo over the last couple of weeks that finally came true, and they did announce that after all that stuff happened this past summer with James Gunn and Marvel, Warner Brothers is having James Gunn write the next Suicide Squad show uh, movie. movie, rather. Uh, in a perfect world, they would do the Gail Simone-era run of Secret Six and have James Gunn just write and direct that. I would watch the heck out of that movie. Right. So we now have James Gunn going over to DC. I think, and, we have- and again, it's official. Like, DC does, like, a daily YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. And they officially announced it there that he is writing the next... Suicide Squad uh, movie, but a lot can happen between oh. now and pen being put to paper and celluloid being put in the machine and them turning the crank. That's still how they make movies, right? I think it actually is. Right, because I just saw the other day that the Flash movie is postponed <sighs> now to 2021. Well, that Flash movie's never getting made. <laughs> never getting made. It's going to get made as a double bill with the Cyborg movie. Oh, Sci Flash would be the best. But uh, I'm waiting for, now that we had Joss Whedon do finish up, mop up work on Justice League, and now we have James Gunn coming over and doing Suicide Squad. I can't wait until Marvel ticks off the Russo brothers, <laughs> and for whatever project they're going to come over to DC and do. Because <laughs> it seems like every time one of them, what, like, you know, well, I, it was more, uh, Josh, uh, Joss Whedon was mad because they tinkered with Avengers 2. So he left. So obviously James Gunn, what happened with James Gunn? I'm like, how do you get the Russos to, to Warner Brothers? Cause they're next. It has to happen. Get Edgar Wright. Cause he was upset with the Ant-Man stuff. Yeah, but he never got the film made. And um, actually, he wrote a script. Right, but both James Gunn and Joss Whedon actually made movies for Marvel. And I'm actually glad, and I've said this and I'll say it on record again, I'm glad Edgar Wright didn't do Ant-Man the movie. Okay. I really am. 
I like the Ant-Man movie we got, and I don't know if he was right for for Ant-Man, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Especially in their, Mar- and I'm not saying it has to be the Marvel formula, but I don't know what he would have done, and I just don't think, I think he would have he would have done it too tongue-in-cheek, if that makes any sense. Yes. Like, it would have it would have been knowing it was a superhero comic book movie. But if he did it, he did, didn't he do uh, Baby Driver? Yes. Did you see that? No. I heard it was very good, though. Oh, my God. Baby Driver, the opening, and the, like, there's a scene of Baby going for coffee, and he's singing a song while he's doing is one of the greatest, like, openings to a movie I've ever seen. And then the movie is really is is really good. Um, if it was more like that, I could see it, but I don't know. I'm kind of glad Edgar Wright didn't do Ant-Man. That's a long way to go around to just say that. I, I heard it's one of those movies where they say that the 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 soundtrack is a character in, its, in and of itself. Right, just like the Millennium Falcon is a character in Star Wars. Mm. That's the way I look at it. So I did want to just go and look this up here as we're talking about the DC film, uh, the, the DC film universe. So Mm-hmm. I have pulled up here, Todd, the original announcement. We've talked about it so many times before. Right after the Flash TV show showed up, like a week beforehand, or a couple of weeks beforehand, when they had announced the title of Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, right? Right. And your David Goyers and your people like that were like, no, no, it's too soon for us to be announcing a shared cinematic universe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the Flash TV show comes out. It's great, the first episode, and then that next day they announce the big rollout of the shared universe. (laughs) Yep. So, here is the original shared universe lineup. Let me know if you notice any changes in this, Todd. Okay. Okay. So, of course, we have Batman v Superman. That was 2016. We then have Suicide Squad, also in 2016. Didn't that that come out a little bit later? Or no, am I incorrect there? I think it came out around... I think it came out on time. If not, it was a little bit late. Okay. Wonder Woman 2017, that happened. That happened, yes. Justice League Part 1. Yes, I remember that's supposed to be two parts. I think we only got one part. Right, that was 2017. Okay. 2018 was to bring us the Flash movie and the Aquaman movie. We're getting the Aquaman movie. We are getting the Aquaman movie. What else did we, did we get something else from DC this year? No, I don't think so. Right. 2019 was Shazam, which we're still getting. Right. And Justice League Part 2. I don't think we're getting Justice League Part 2. I don't think we're getting Justice League Part 2 either. 2020 was to bring us Green Lantern and the Cyborg movie. I don't think we're getting either of those right now. Right. We Uh, may get the Green Lantern movie. Who knows? Hopefully Ryan will be back. Right. No. No? But, yeah, I just think it's funny that the sequel of, you know, Justice League being split up into two parts got scrapped. The Flash movie is now delayed by three years from its original date. (laughs) Cyborg never coming out. There are, and Wonder Woman 2 is, like, if not being filmed, already done filming, not part of the original plan. Mm-hmm. And then Suicide Squad 2 now has a writer. And now we're getting a 
Black Adam movie and like 17 Harley Quinn movies, two Joker movies. They, and I always like to, uh, mention this. I'm a big fan. Red Letter Media, they'll do like movie reviews, old, old, bad movies, current movies in theaters. They became famous with the Mr. Plinkett review of episode one, The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. Uh, my friend Bob and I, they did, uh, like they did a bunch of like the Star Trek movies, but nobody cares about the Star Trek movies. Okay. Episode, when they did episode one that like everyone like became like a huge fan, then they did Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. And he runs through a list of all the things that are wrong with the movie. And then he kind of goes into detail of them and so on and so forth. He does Attack of the Clones, does his little preamble, and he says, now let's get into what's wrong with the movie. Number one, everything. And then he continues <laughs> from there. And me and my friend Bob, we could just say to each other, number one, everything. And that's like our little cute little inside joke from that. But where I'm going with this is they do a parody video of other YouTube type shows, kind of like this show, but not as cool and as hip as we are. Right. Called the Nerd Crew. And their mm -hmm. most recent video was talking about what DC's expanded universe is going to be. And it's how you had mentioned about how they're doing six Joker movies and 27 Harley Quinn movies. Right. They kind of took that to the next extreme, saying that they're going to, they're going as far as to making their first gender swapped Harley Quinn movie, where Harley Quinn is going to be a guy and the Joker is going to be a woman. And they go even further down the, the road of that. Like that's how far they're tapping that vein of the Joker and Harley Quinn. Mm hmm. Very cool. Yes. It's like a baker's dozen. Yes. <laughs> what? Don't remind me of that terrible podcast. I was supposed <laughs> to complain on After Dark about bad podcasts. I know, but I sidetracked it. Thank you. All right. Again, I said it's light news, but that's okay because we've got tons of stuff to talk about. Conventions this weekend, Todd. There's a bunch of conventions. Mm -hmm. And I do want to just say... With the number of comic book conventions, of course, there's horror movie conventions, not mentioning the horror movie conventions and on a horror movie podcast. I am saddened to see the lack of people booking as many people from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise to go out and do, like, the joint things. Like, you see people from Evil Dead, you see people from Friday the 13th, and so on and so forth. I think I even saw last week Robert England himself took a picture with, like, whoever he can gather up that's still around from all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, essentially saying, like, hey, you know, why didn't somebody book us at conventions? They're trying to get Johnny Depp. That's what it is. Oh. They have to lure him with cheap wine and scarves. And, uh, and bracelets. Allegedly. 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 I don't want to disparage anyone. So, there is a bunch of conventions going on this weekend, Todd. A, a variety of conventions. Uh, and... Todd, don't let anyone know this. I know this is being recorded to be listened to by thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're, we're hitting it a little hard with the wrestling people at these comic book conventions these days. I know. I, oh my I know God. you know. It's because of A. Todd's wrestling. That's mm -hmm. why. Uh, so uh, there's the Armageddon Expo in Auckland, Australia, mm -hmm. where uh, on the comic side, Eduardo Riso is going to be there. Oh, cool. As is Shannon Doherty and Christina Ricci. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, Santa Fe Comic Con in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is going to be there. 
Sweet. Mm-hmm. As is uh, World Wrestling Entertainers uh, Al Snow and Goldust. Oh, that should be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Fan Days has Jaleel White. That's two Jaleel White sightings in a row. Three, you get like to fill your bingo card. That's right, you get a free coffee. <laughs> That's right. Former Mad TV star Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah. And Matt Smith. And I know that covers a lot of ground, but it's the one that wears... Did he wear a fez? He did wear a fez for a little bit, but he was... Bow ties are cool. Okay, they're not. But anyway. Uh, the Isle Con in the Isle of Wright in the UK. Uh, they, I don't know why it's being called a comic book convention. There's some Paul Megan guy going to be there. Paul McGann, the eighth doctor. Right. And uh, Sylvester McCoy. I don't know who these people are. He was the seventh doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Memphis Comic Con, Chris Claremont, Donnie Cates, Mike Grell, uh, Larry Hama, uh, Kyle Starks, Kevin McGuire. That's more your comic book folks. <laughs> yeah. But of course, it's Memphis. It's a comic book convention. Of course, Jerry the King Lawler will be there double dipping not only as himself, but also with his replica uh, 60s Batmobile as well. Does he have a 60s Batmobile? He certainly does. Oh, uh, I wonder if he rents it out. Hmm. I like. I think he does like the con appearances with it. You know. Oh, I think that would be great. But Todd, the home run convention this weekend is the Gump City Con in Ooh. Montgomery, Alabama. Now, first of all, I didn't know that Montgomery, Alabama was Gump City. I don't know if that's like some sort of reference to the film Forrest Gump. I think that's where they get all the shrimp. Hmm. I don't know that. Maybe off the Gulf Coast of uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Anyway, Todd, how's this for a one-two punch of convention goers? Okay. You've got Kevin Nash, Big Daddy Cool Diesel himself. Super Shredder? Super Shredder. And Todd, if that wasn't enough, if you're going to the Montgomery, Alabama convention, mm-hmm. Gump City Con, This person being here is worth the price of admission. I don't think in all of our days I've seen his name show up on a convention list. And if I have, I've overlooked it. And woe is me for doing so. Because appearing at the Gump City Con, Todd, is none other than Michael Winslow. The cop from Die Hard? No, from Police Academy. Oh, no, it was uh, Mr. Winslow when he was on the, the TV show. Okay, Stop. I got confused. You're thinking of Reginald Vell Johnson. Right. Oh. Come on, Michael Winslow being at a comic book convention. That's awesome. Mm. I didn't see anybody laughing. <laughs> Except for the guy that made all those funny noises with his mouth. <laughs> oh, no, that was from the Halloween special. All I know is, but if Kevin Nash is going to be there... Mm-hmm. I want to go down in one of my three Casey Jones masks and get a marked photo with them. Wear them all at once. Oh, like the Living Tribunal? Yes, the Living Tribunal of Casey Jones. (laughs) That's right. I just dropped some Living Tribunal knowledge on the show. So, all the uh, links to these uh, will be in the show notes, uh, as will, of course, uh, links to some of the digital sales that we'll be talking about here shortly. As is a link to purchase the digital comic graphic novel collection of mega ultra listener of the show, Jason Sandberg's original graphic novel. Again, 
comic. I'm not really sure what you call these things when you buy them digitally like this. Jupiter. It's a great book. Definitely check it out. I enjoyed it. If you're not really much of an indie comics sort of person, this is a great primer to get you into what real, true independent comics are about. Yes, sir. And it's helping a listener of the show, and that's always a good thing. It is. So uh, some of the other things that are on sale this week, uh, digitally, of course, uh, Dynamite is having a sale on graphic novels. Boom is having a sale on graphic novels. Uh, Archie, Valiant, a bunch of people having sales on graphic novels. Uh, Marvel is having a sale on Kelly Thompson-related stuff. I think because uh, her new run on Captain Marvel starts here very soon. Uh, but just like we missed it two weeks in a row, DC can't let it slide. This week's sale is entitled DC New York Times Bestseller Sale. <laughs> and Todd, wouldn't you know who won the pony? What's included in that sale? Is it uh, Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns? Of course. Oh, good. Why wouldn't they be? Legally, they have to be involved in every, if not all, sales. And, of course, because I missed it a couple weeks ago, and they left it out of the Wonder Woman sale last week. Well, I don't know. Wonder Woman shows up in Dark Knight Returns. I think you can... I think you can count it as a Wonder Woman graphic novel. I think you can, too. Yes. Uh, so no new freebies. They didn't flip-flop any of those, so those are all still the same as last week. Uh, let's get into what we read from this past week, and uh, let's start things off, if we could, with My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, OGNHC, which I think is some sort of code there, indicative of something, uh, or as Todd mentioned at the top of the show, original graphic novel hardcover by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Right, which was a criminal tie-in, which I right. didn't know. Which was a nice surprise, a pleasant surprise, if you will. Uh, I don't think this was officially solicited as such. Or if it was, we missed it. Right, which can <laughs> happen. I heard Todd just found out the other day that there's a book called Weapon H that exists. And there's nine issues of it. Right. Well, there's not nine issues yet. They've solicited up to issue nine. No, nine comes out today. Oh, nine comes out today. Yes, because that's how I knew I was getting my books ready. Oh, my goodness. And doing the pool list, getting it right uh, once again, 100% right. <laughs> and I look over, and I'm like, Weapon H? There's a Weapon H book? Like, and oh, my God, there's nine issues in the can. I oh, I missed that. Right. That See, boat sailed. I remember this. When, they did, when Marvel did the crossover between Totally Awesome Hulk Mm -hmm. And I think it might have been called X Force at the just X Force at the time, right? Uh, and they and did it was a the crossover called Weapons of Mass Destruction, where some sort of Department H, you know, whatever, whatever, in the Marvel, you know, comic books, they created a Hulk Wolverine hybrid mm -hmm. called Weapon H. His first appearance is worth a lot of money, allegedly. Who knows? I don't know. Right. And then they gave him his own spin-off book. Yep. Because that's what you do. I think Towley was in uh was in Department H. They're like, let's make a Hulk, a hybrid, and we get a little hybrid there. Oh my goodness. That's our 420 joke there. But uh yeah, no, I I know and that book is worth money because I remember when I bought it, uh I was like, Oh, and then Matt was telling me, he's like, Oh, you know that 
first appearance of, I was like, I had no idea. And the Department H book is written by Greg Pak, who created them. That's right. Which blows my mind, because I usually follow Greg Pak, so I don't know. But hey, anyway, we're talking about my heroes have always been junkies. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so if you're familiar with Ed Brubaker's stuff, uh, familiar with stuff in the criminal universe, you have an idea of what this is about. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is about people dealing with rehabbing from drugs, addictions to drugs, the climate while you're in rehab. Uh, I can only assume that this is information that, uh, Ed Brubaker's not pulling out of nowhere. I'm not saying that he may have went through this himself or Sean Phillips may have went through this himself, but the way that this feels and reads definitely feels as though they got some firsthand accounts from people. Right. But that is the strong point with most of his stories, like especially in the criminal universe, which we've read. It's like all these stories feel real about stories about people who are like, you know, criminals and you wonder how he does it. But that is like one of Brubaker's strengths is every story that he writes, I feel like could have happened. And people actually talk the way they do in the stories and stuff like that. And this is no different with one of the main characters who has a love of music. And she just keeps talking about like all the old songs that she loves and all the old, all the singers that were a part of this album that her mother gave her father were all like, you know, people who died of or had drug problems. And she's just talking about songs here or there. And one of them that she talks about early in the book, in the book is uh, a song, a lyric that just, kept coming back to my head the more i thought about this book and she's like the the lyric in the song was i was much further out than you thought and not waving but drowning and i don't know why like in a stupid little way the whole i was waving not i was uh i was drowning not waving i'm like that's just a brilliant little thing and it's 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 important to the book because it seems like everybody's drowning in it i don't know I'm going to say this, as I said it before, Ed Brubaker is a good writer. The only knock I have on this book is my own knock, is because it's been so long since I've read criminal stuff that yes. I know all these characters tie in. Like the person who's in jail, we find out like that somebody may be doing something to help them out, and there's two other people who are in cahoots with the girl who's trying to get information from this kid. And I'm like, you know what? It's been years since I've read a criminal story I bet if I read these recently, this would be much cooler because the characters would, would resonate in my head and I'd remember who they were. But because I haven't, it's a little like, oh, okay, I'm sure this fits in somewhere, but I don't remember how. Right. So, again, I, I have my own concerns about this book. Mm-hmm. Now, it's great. Uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips don't make bad comics, right? Right. Go buy this. Go get this any way that you can. Highly recommended. So, Ed Brubaker writes such a good and nuanced comic, right? Mm Mm-hmm. As I'm reading it, and you'd mentioned how there's the through line with the lead character, Ellie, how she's talking about all the music that's influenced her life, and how she, as a a younger person, kind of came upon these these older songs, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, as I'm reading it, and, and as I mentioned, it's the way that Brubaker writes that I think... He makes me think more about the writing process than anyone else. And okay. by that I mean, 
I'm sure just like Brubaker and Phillips did their their due diligence, their research, their 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 feet on the ground to get information from someone or some ones about that experience being in rehab. That I'm sure Brubaker or Phillips or someone else was talking about here's all these musicians and here's how drugs affected their life. Well, let me dig a little bit deeper to get more of the story of these people. And let me see if there's a way that I could turn this into a story for myself. Oh, there's more people that have had similar experiences in the realm of music. And there's more if you dig a little bit deeper, because there's stuff in here, like about Ella Fitzgerald and stuff like that, that people know, but I don't think you know all of the story. Right. And I think when I read this book, I enjoy the book for what it is, but then it opens up like a different part of me looking at the process of the book, if that makes any sense to you. Kinda. I mean, I look at it a little bit different, but go ahead. And it makes me enjoy the work that they're putting into this book, not to just make it a fluff piece, a fluff piece with no substance to it. Because these books have substance. Mm-hmm. And substance abuse. No joke, no pun intended. Right. Like, like literally, like reading this, and where you're looking at it at that angle, I'm looking at it as 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 you as i'm reading this and she's mentioning the songs and the creator or the writers or the singers or whoever i'm wanting to stop what i'm doing and go listen to these songs in the moment if that makes any sense yes. and and i'm like okay i'm i'm wondering if like they have a deeper like like the meaning like if it it would it associate to what's going on in the book at the time, the feel of the music. I don't know. It just seems like there's more to it. And like Brubaker and Phillips are putting like, I don't know if I'm overthinking it or like if that could be a thing. And then a weird sense in my mind, I, I find myself agreeing in a terrible way. I admit it. It's a terrible way where the Ellie's talking about like, you know what? Say what you want about drugs, that they're bad. Like, when it comes to music, I can show you a whole plethora of people who were never any good after they got off the junk. And and I, and I think about that because I've had that conversation with someone who I won't mention their name, but they were a music fan. And they were like, literally somebody like the new Chili Peppers album had come out and it had the Zephyr song, which is the, the thing we make fun of the most when it comes to the, the, the Chili Peppers. Like that Zephyr song is terrible. And he's just like, they need, and I, and, and tongue in cheek, you know, I'm not making fun of substance abuse. They're like, somebody needs to lock the Chili Peppers in a room with like, you know, some heroin and a notepad and get get some good music out of them and that made me think in a weird way thinking about this book how like she's she's kind of right in a terrible way sometimes you're right do you know what i'm trying to say i'm not agreeing with you know do heroin but it, it's weird i just think brubaker makes you think like you said it's deeper than anything you know that you're you're reading sometimes right now the other thing that i want to and this this will be like a backhanded compliment sort of thing Right. Uh, Sean Phillips' art has never looked better. I think that has to do with some of the coloring, yes, too. Yes, and that's what I was going to get to, because usually his stuff is colored in much more muted tones. And even when there's reds and purples, there's they're lighter colors. This mm -hmm. is a very blue book, as the cover will tell you. A lot of this book happens during the daylight hours. There is stuff that happens at night, of course, but the primary color in this book is blue. Right. And I think this is a new color palette that is being used in 
this book and that it is it makes this it makes Sean Phillips's art and the entire art team the work that they did on this is beautiful. It is. And I think too there is these moments where he's using the dark colors at night and I think like if we went back through the story where it's like a lot of like the happy moments and the high moments like when they're abusing drugs on the run it's the it's the color it's the pink colors the blues the vibrant and then there's like darker moments where they're talking about their lives and it's at night and it's you know the 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 darker muted colors I don't know I'm I'm with you you could see it change from page to page when he wants it to. And it is, especially for a criminal story, it's something different as far as I'm concerned. And, but it works shockingly that they, they did something that works really well. Brubaker and Phillips. <laughs> now, the only other thing, and this is the backhanded part of this compliment that I'm giving is I didn't know until way late in the book, uh, that Ellie and the other character, the other lead character were supposed to be like teenagers. I go ahead. He because I think Sean Phillips draws folks a little bit older than they actually are. Right. I don't think I. I don't remember. I'm not going to say, but I kind of thought that they were younger at least. That they. I didn't think they were. I didn't think they were maybe young teenagers, but I figured they were. I. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying though. It kind of. Mm-hmm. He does skew older in his art. Yes. Uh, all in all, with those little caveats that we make, like on a scale of one to ten, this is a nine point eight. Right. Uh, highly recommended. Right. Highly recommended if you haven't read any Brubaker stuff in a while or want an intro into the criminal stuff. And I know a lot of folks do. It's great. This is a great introduction to that. Right. So the other book that we're going to be talking about is Immortal Hulk number seven. Now a little weird because it's kind of like part two, maybe of a. Something part, like the new story arc started the last issue, where Hulk has kind of been running amok, uh, written by Al Ewing, uh, with art by Joe Bennett. Hulk has been kind of running amok, and the Avengers come to take him down. Uh, and it's the current Avengers that are in the Jason Aaron book. You know, you got your big three Hulk, or I'm sorry, you got your big three Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, but then you got, uh, Doctor Strange, She-Hulk, uh... Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, Black Panther, and new uh, Ghost Driver. Yes, I was hoping you'd get it right. Oh, come on now. I know what show I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is them taking down the Hulk. And a lot of the book is the Hulk, one by one, beating up all the Avengers. Right. And Tony Stark saying, I have a plan, I have a plan. And they do the plan. And it's this big, giant, like... Reverse sunlight beam sort of thing. Right, because he's resurrected by dark somehow. Yes. So that stops the Hulk. Uh, But after that is where things get a little dark. Dicey? Dicey's a good way to put it. Right. Um, If this book, and we talked about this book being... You know, it's being advertised to us when it was originally solicited, you know, months ago when it first came out, that it's a horror book. And I'm like, there's definitely horror elements in it, but there's also, you know, you got your superhero, you got your suspense, you got your crime, you got your mystery. It's hitting all these beats, right? Mm-hmm. The end of this book, and I don't want to give away the spoiler on it, right? but is very horror, comic, movie, trope, thing, whatever, 
and it shocked me. I will 100% agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, the way, you know, they, 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 you know, they're, they stop Hulk and now they have to incarcerate him. Literally, it goes back to, remember in the first issue where we were talking about it and it was the thing that blew me away was, you know, the Hulk goes and he, he, the kid shoots up a, a grocery store or a, or a convenience store or a gas station or whatever and Hulk goes after him and then there's that, you're reading it and he's chasing the kid and the kid's like pleading for his life and you turn that page and it's the big two page spread of his face just like huge and he's talking to you how like that's visceral and gets you. I look at that as a as a three on the visceral scale. <laughs> when you get to that last page, and beforehand, the person who's talking to him is all the art is upside down, and now we figure out like why. And I'm like, that that is a straight up horror page and a reveal and a a page that I think will be remembered for a long, long time. In a weird way. I just look at that. And the other thing I like about this book is that we've had, you know, we've had, you know, uh, the ultimate Hulk and I don't mean the ultimate universe. That was when they were all the smart, all the versions of the Hulk were mixed together. We have like the, the, the original stupid Hulk. We have Joe Fixin Hulk. We have a name for this Hulk now. And it's the devil Hulk. Mm-hmm. And people keep saying, stop saying that. And he's like, Hulk's like, no, I like devil Hulk. I'm down with that. And I'm like, that just gives it an even cooler, like, like horror esque version of what to call this version. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say Al Ewing, I'm enjoying this book. <laughs> right. Now, the only other thing that I'm going to say is, you know, we keep talking about the end of the book and we don't want to spoil it, of course. Uh, but if you are a physical media person and you've been missing this book for whatever reason, not picking it up, whatever it is, when you go to your local comic book store, the next time that you go, go pick up Immortal Hulk number seven and just look at the last page. Mm-hmm. And then tell me that you don't want to read what's going on in that book. You don't want to know how we got there and what's going to happen after this. Right. Because I, like I said, I, I, there was... I do a good job of being able to filter spoilers from coming into my life. Me too. And this was spoiled, I guess, days ago. Was it? I felt it. I felt it in the the essence, right? And I knew to avoid places to go to so I wouldn't be spoiled by it, right? Mm -hmm. Interviews with people who might have done covers or whatever it might have been. Nothing could have prepared me for that last page. And I don't want to say any more because I don't want to hype it up too much, but it's one of those things that I feel like I can't hype up enough. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. So that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what's coming out. Make sure that you have enough money to buy a box to lug all of your extra books home <laughs> in. If you have six Omnibuy coming out this week, you know, so that you can set up a payment plan. And I know the other day our local store uh, put it out on social media and I kind of echoed those sentiments. Don't be that guy or gal that has a pull list and never goes and gets your books. Oh, boy, yeah. You are, I don't want to say, I don't want to cast dispersions on anyone and say that you are the worst type of person in the world, but I just did. True. History's greatest monster. Right. 
Uh, so two of the things that Todd and I do in the calendar year 2018 is the one that we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out next or this week. Uh, Todd did close the gap a little bit with a correct guess last week. The other that we're only doing this year and never, ever again Ugh. is keeping that running dollar amount of how much we've spent on comics in the calendar year 2018. I don't need that weekly reminder of how much I've spent. I'm looking at the number right now and it's shaking me to my core. There you go. How many how many refrigerators could you have bought with that money? I don't know. How many uh, p- big pieces of painted art could I have bought with that? Well, we'll get to both of those later. <laughs> I forgot to do the network plug before. Uh, right. So, Todd, you went first. What's on my list? What sticks out to you? What am I looking forward to this week? Is the book you're looking forward to most Unstoppable Wasp number one? It is. Unstoppable Wasp number one. It was a pleasant surprise. Uh, when it had come out a year or so ago, and I was saddened to see it get canceled before its time was through. And I'm very happy that the uh, creator, uh, Jeremy Whitley, is getting a chance to tell more stories uh, with Nadia and the girl gang of science folks. And you get a little uh, bit of the uh, Janet Van Dyne wasp in there and a lot of other stuff. It's a really good book. I'm glad it's back. I can't wait to read it. Mm-hmm. You, on the other hand, Todd, looking at your list, I'm going to guess the book you were most looking forward to coming out this week is Thor number six. How did you guess that? Mm, I just picked it random. Maybe it was the ending of last month's comic? Maybe. Mm. You are correct, sir. Yeah. Now, and I know we had talked about it before, and I think we could talk about it in a, in a spoilery way because they give it away on their cover, right? Mm-hmm. Uh uh, I was upset that on the cover, he looks just like regular Doom, but mm-hmm. at the end of issue five, he's like souped up fancy crazy Doom. Yeah, but he's got the Iron Fist, he's got yeah. whatever else, like... Right, because I like them both. They should have put either regular old school Doom in both, or souped up crazy Doom on both. Yep. And if there's anybody who's going to be waiting at the end to fight, you know... Old Man Thor and, you know, uh, Phoenix Logan, Old Man Phoenix. It's Doctor Doom. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. Well, can't wait for that. So, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done comic book-wise. And again, you'll see a little filtration in of At Odds with Wrestling. New episode to be recorded this week, question mark. Who knows? (laughs) We've been we've been having a good run outside of my phone not sending me texts. Um, I, I think we're gonna be talking more ECW stuff, more Can't wait. current event wrestling stuff. Uh, but also uh, both shows as well as uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark with the big announcement of next week's soon to be named movie project can be found at soon to be named network dot com, soon to be named network dot com. Were those shows, plus shows like Podvocacy, which is getting a bit of a rebranding in the Ooh. next week. Go check out their most recent episode to find out what that's going to entail. Uh, also, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, Fresher and Parlance, and let's see, it's the <laughs> weekly check. I know I said last week I'm done. And of course, nothing in the Prodigal Sons folder. Wah wah! Shocking. I'm gonna check every week. I'm that I'm that dog that keeps coming. I'm like I'm gonna wait for him to come back. I'll wait. I'll keep checking. 
Are you saying you're someone who's going to get burned time and time again, but yet keep going back to that well? That's correct, and it's costing me zero dollars to do so. <laughs> you're a fool, Joe. Whatever the ban- well, actually, whatever the bandwidth is that comes out of my monthly internet bill, <laughs> I'm going to send Jared a bill for that. <sighs> and then anytime any of the folks in the soon-to-be-named network appear on other shows, as long as they remind me, and I remember to put the link up on the site, you can find all that information over at Longbox here, or at soon be named network.com. Of course, longboxheroes.com is the arm for the stuff that I'm involved with, Todd's involved with, and uh, by proxy, uh, Adam as well, the former fancy gentleman. And while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out the store for pins, stickers, and shirts with our fancy logo on them. And if you don't need or want any of those, you can always click our Amazon link across the top of the page. Anything you purchase through Amazon gives us a little bit of a kickback, and it makes Todd feel good at the uh, end of the month when he gets his two-month rolling cut of the Amazon money. That's right. Cha-ching! Some of the notable purchases uh, through the Amazon click-through this past week is someone purchased the digital editions of Venom number 7 and Transformers Unicron. I hope that same person realizes there's a Venom annual coming out this week, so don't forget to uh, pick that up. Uh, somebody also purchased the DVD two-pack of The Adams Family and Adams Family Values. Uh, underrated films. That's right, and a great pinball game. Yes. Uh, don't let the pinball game skew your enjoyment of the movie. Pinball game is great. Both movies are really, really good as well. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased a book entitled Ghost Land and American History and Haunted Places. The one person I know who did not purchase that was my wife. I was going to ask if it was your wife. No. Because I think, didn't she order the book on eye injuries too? No, she did not. Okay. <laughs> eye injuries and how to avoid them, I think, is the book that she's currently writing. <laughs> okay. The book that she should write is How to Cut Your Finger When Cutting Carrots. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. Don't even ask. Did you hear about uh I made the most expensive soup the other day? <laughs> you know why? Why? Cuz I added 24 carrots. Oh! Oh my goodness. <laughs> Moving on. Uh somebody also purchased True Romance Director's Cut. Mhm. Uh someone also purchased and I I want to read this entire uh description cuz I love when Amazon does these with these descriptions. One, clear, Ultra Pro baseball cube holder. Ultra Pro's baseball holder is the top of the line protector and the best way to display and protect baseballs. No PVC and acid free, so it will not damage the balls or autograph. Baseball is not included. That is not a description. That is the line item right off the top of the item from Amazon. I was going to ask you if balls were included. No, but it says baseball is t- not included. Gotcha. Uh, somebody also purchased, and I would assume that this is probably our oldest and most cantankerous listener, even older than you and I, Todd. Ooh. Uh, they purchased the iMac compression arthritis gloves. Ooh. A, a hundred and, a pack of 120 denture cleaning tablets. Ooh. And yet another, I love reading the full description, corn remover, foot corn remover pads, Corn and callus remover cushions, corn plaster with hole. It is a better solution for people who suffer the pain of corn. Oh, I hate their, all their albums. I hate all their albums. <laughs> suffer the pain of corn. 
<sighs> I don't know. But thank you, everyone, who purchased something through our Amazon click-through this past week. And one last thing that you could do, uh, of course, while you're over at longboxyears.com, is the pigskin pickums, Todd. Yes, make your picks. And woe is the person, Todd, who forgets to make their picks. Mm, the bell tolls for thee. That's right. Uh, I'm hearing more and more people lament the fact that my son uh, is beating them in the picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a good, he had his best week so far last week at 10 correct guesses. Where does that put him? Still puts him, uh, in around 34th place, which ain't so bad. It's kind of toward the back half of the pack. As long as we're beating you and a bunch of other people, that's, that's, that's really what it's all about. I'm about to make my comeback. Mm -hmm. Am I going to remind you to do your picks or is the scheduled tweet going to remind you? (laughs) I think I'm hoping a little from column A, a little from column B. All right. Uh, so Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We had a plethora of art attacks, Joe. From Mr. Dystopia, we had a, uh, Spider Jerusalem piece by a Philippine artist named Robard Jason. A big 11 by 17. It looks like Spider Jerusalem falling from the sky. Very nice. Um, I'm always down with his, uh, he's basically just, Gets other things, but he's a big Transmetropolitan fan, so I gotta respect that. Also, the fancy gentleman, Adam, the man, Adam Van, he added a Batman and, uh, Azriel print that, uh, a certain retailer picked him up in Baltimore. Um, also, Stiff Peg Pete added a Moritat print that he got for supporting Justin Gray's Billy the Kit kickstarter and it's a beautiful piece it's like jonah hex-esque well it's actually jonah has sort of tulula black and a bunch of other it looks like historical figures abe lincoln uh a bunch of other people i would have loved to i was thinking about backing that kickstarter so i would have liked to got that piece that would have been beautiful also t-bolt 712 got a uh nico from runaways by uh, I'm trying to look it up here. Sorry, because I'm going through each of these. Um, Krista Ferenka, I mm-hmm. think is how you say her name. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't know who Nika is. Nico is from The Runaways because I never read The Runaways, but that is a beautiful piece in this sketchbook. Right, and just real quick before you get into yours, right. uh, Euronymous, who does contribute every week but sometimes forgets to tag you. Uh, I'm sorry. The, no, it's quite all right. He put the companion piece. Uh, to last week's uh, Evil Dead piece, where it was the witch that was coming out of the fruit cellar. Uh, this was the uh, Ashley Williams Possessed Friend. Uh, another one done by someone who we've mentioned on the show before, uh, Kelly Williams, Treebeard, with the Twitter handle of Nacho Man Sandy Cabbage. Both very beautiful pieces of art. Yes. But none more, none art more beautifulest than the one that Todd procured at New York Comic Con. Yes, I was not sure whether I should start with the big gun or end with the big gun, but I thought starting with it would have been better. Um, I ended up getting an Assad Ribic painting in New York of old King Thor. Um, I asked for a, well, a head slash bust. I wasn't sure uh, what I would get. 
but I got a more of a bust than, than a head. And it was actually funny because Assad Ribic was there and I told him what I wanted. And when I came back, Assad Ribic was not there, uh, at the time. He was off smoking. Apparently he smokes a lot. So he was running out to the front of New York Comic Con to have one. But I think I got more of a deal than I should have because the person who was running the table, which they had like, five tables against the wall so i can only imagine what it cost to be there um it was his art rep who sold it like has tons of original art from different people um he was not happy with the the piece and i don't mean how it looks he was like kind of like what did you pay and i told him and he's like oh and he may have said some things that jim clarinet would say (laughs) um but yeah he's like oh you got a good deal um and I showed it to Joe in person because I actually, this is one of the few times that I brought art into the store to show off because I am proud of the piece, but I got a beautiful scan of it on my phone. I have a new app for scanning art, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, but I brought it in to show Joe because I don't think the scan does it justice as when you hold it in your hand, like the paint and how it looks on the canvas and everything like that, or the artboard. And I, I'm going to ask you, and not just because it's my piece, wouldn't you agree that looking at it in person, it looks much better than in the scan? The picture on Twitter looks nice. Right. Seeing it in person and getting a really good look at the paint job and the detail and everything else like that, it's a remarkable piece. Mm-hmm. And I just in between it. yelling at Todd about other things, I just kept saying to him, you need to go get this framed today. Like, this needs to be in a frame. Right. And I kept telling him, um, I spent a lot of money at New York. I need to save up. And the other thing is I have two friends who frame things. So if I want, I just have to get the the pieces, the, the, uh, the frame, the matting and everything and have them do it. Uh, and it will probably save me a lot of money. It's just a matter of getting all that together and having them do it for me. But that is one that I think I'm going to, to hang up in my living room. And you would be foolish not to, if you want to bring it over here, I'll put it up and frame it up on, on my wall. Oh, you can have Asaph add some color? No, no, he's not even... I'm going to put this high enough that April can't reach it, let alone Asa. Ugh. And, and she's not going to like it, because old King Thor looks like he had an eye injury. Yeah, I don't know. She was reading Thor at one time. I remember when April used to read comic books, but that was way back there, over there. Right, right. Asad Ribbit, good stuff. Yep. Not cheap, either. <laughs> but worth and, it. But yes, and if I had more money, I would have went for a full piece, uh, a full body, and I think that's going to happen someday. Uh, as a matter of fact, as we record this, I bought a lotto ticket, and it's up to $650 million, I think. Oh, boy. So, J- Joe, if I hit if I hit the full Megilla, I'm going to buy you a fully painted, full sod Rivik piece. Character of your choice. Oh, so think about what character you want because we may I, I may hit the lottery tonight. The Toy Man. <gasps> no. Red Tornado. Red Tornado. Kang. You'd like a nice Kang. I don't know. When you win the money, let's talk about it. Uh, I, I'd actually want to know who it'd be. So think about it. You could tell me later. Uh, it would. You know what? Honestly, it would probably be uh, Loki. Good since, call. Since it's Assad Rebic, he's, you know, 
kind of more so these days known for Thor stuff. Todd had pulled up on his phone some of the other stuff that he, that he had done, like he had done some Star Wars pieces, uh, some Fantastic Four stuff, and all of it looked great. But if I'm going to pick someone from Thor who's not Thor, it's got to be either Loki or the, the Three Daughters. Right. Three Daughters um, would be pushing it, though. And if you want to see something very nice, did you ever see that story that he painted years ago? It was the Loki story where he won. It was I, a four-part minis, and then it was a hardcover. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. So that is I, that. If anybody wants to read a really good story, I forget who wrote that, and I feel bad because I'm focusing on the Assad Ribic art. Go get that. That's a great story of of Loki winning, and then the only person who could truly beat Loki, you find out who it is. It's really good, and his art on that is is fantastic. And that's where I first saw him, and that would get you a good idea of what his Loki looks like. I think it's called Thor and Loki now, after because he had to add Thor to the title with it reprinted. Right, I was gonna say with it reprinted, you got to throw that in there so that it'll move some uh, graphic novels. So. All right, so I think that's everything for the main show before we get into some TV talk. Yes, I think that is everything. Right, so we're always gonna be a week behind uh, on the Flash. We're gonna talk about the season premiere, and we'll be relatively up to date on Doctor Who, as it were. And then, of course, next week when Legends of Tomorrow premieres, we'll both do our best, of course, so we can talk about that as quickly as we can. Right, and I'm wondering if that's going to get weird when they all cross over? Uh, If and when they all do cross over, which I'm sure they will, what we could probably do is we could bump Legends of Tomorrow for that week and then just roll it into all the stuff for the following week. Gotcha. I'm just letting you know that that's probably going to happen yeah. at some point. Uh, so if you don't care about the TV show stuff, or if you don't want to have it spoiled, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 420 of Longbox Heroes. Catch you all next week. And uh, let's start with The Flash, since that's the uh, older of the two. Yes. New season begins. Picked up the cliffhanger from last season, where Barry and Iris' daughter, Nora appears to them as the superhero excess from the future. Uh, and a bunch of crazy stuff happens. Because she has information about the future, she's doing her best to try not to stooge that information off. Uh, Barry and Iris have different levels of wanting to interact with her. Uh, while this is all going on, she fouls things up. And a meta who was supposed to be easily caught in a one-and-done gets away. So she's already messing up the timeline as it is. And the Ralph stuff was really good in this episode. Yes, that was my favorite stuff, which we'll get to. But basically, um, Nora, who's excess, is doing excess. Is We're worried about her doing excess point at this time. Mm. Because cause where it's our present... It's her past, so she's pulling, like, uh, coming back and messing with things. Like you said, a one-and-done with Gridlock, the, the villain, ends up, you know, changing things a little bit. And Barry's trying to warn, like, if you're my daughter, the first thing I probably taught you was time travel, you know, is bad. Like, we can mess things up. And she's like, oh, I just wanted to come meet you and see you and go back. But we find out that uh through the newspaper and and stuff like that 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 newspaper headline that when he died it was very early in her life 
So she never really got to know him. And basically what it comes down to is I like excess as a character, but she seems very like a whole hum nonchalant, like, Oh, oops. I, I, you know, Urkel, did I do that when she's messing up whole things? And you're like, we've learned from flashpoint. What can happen? You need to, to stop doing this. And I think she just like the only problem that I had with her was the too nonchalant of an attitude that she's messing things up. I don't know about you. Yes. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I thought at first when she was being a little bit more standoffish with Iris, Mm-hmm. And I think there is still more to be revealed about that. Obviously, the big reveal is that she doesn't have the relationship with her father that she would hope to have, because in the future, he's still gone. But I think there's more of a strained relationship in the future with her and her mother, Iris. Right, which has to be worked out. Right. Maybe they could fix it in the past to we fix it for the future. Right. Um, and like you said, the, the Ralph stuff is fantastic. The two things where he figures out that they could change time. And then the other thing is when he figures out the many verse, I was cracking up at the many verse. Right. So, when he was, when Ralph was giving the dumb, dumb version of yeah. explaining the multi, the many verse as it were. Yes. <laughs> And there's that great moment when he realizes you all know about this. He's like, and they're like, yes. And it's funny. He's like, cause they've told him this stuff, but he just doesn't listen at any of the meetings. It's literally like, it's like me doing show prep. It's like you send the emails and I'm like, Hey, did you know that they're doing a secret six show? Jeff? You're like, Oh, you never, you never listened to the meetings, but that Ralph was cracking me up. And then at the end we get uh, the the looks like it's going to be the through line villa villain of Cicada. Right um, now that was the thing. It seemed and felt like Cicada, right? Mm-hmm. But the look seemed a little bit off. I'm like, is that Cicada for sure? And going and looking at the Imdba stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it is. It's interesting who they got to play him. See, I don't know who because I didn't. Did they show his face in the first no. episode? Right, so I'm not sure who they got to play him, but I, and it's not even because he has the uh, he has a piece of metal with the lightning bolt look, right. which looks like it says Star Labs on it. Mm-hmm. But in the comic, he had a staff with a lightning bolt, more of a or a rod, whatever you want to call it, like a like a longer piece. And uh, his thing, I remember what his take was. He was killing people that ba- uh, Wally had saved, and he was taking something from him with that. That thing. And I'm wondering how they're going to play that. Like, if that's going to be the same MO or it's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Cicada, very new villain. So I'm excited to see how a new villain is going to work in all this. You know what? I just want to see something because you say new villain. And I'm wondering how old uh, Cicada is. I mean, I know he's, what do you call it, uh, a, you know, a Jeff Johns one, mm-hmm. so he's new, but I'm like, would he at least be like 15 years old, though? First appearance was in Flash 170? Flash 170? I don't know what year, what year that would have been. The internet's not helping me with this right now. 
Let's see. 2001. Yeah. So he, so for a new villain, he is what, uh, 17, 17 years old? Yes. Boy, that makes me feel old, Joe. And hey, go put your, uh, copies up on, uh, eBay. Start selling them now. That's right. But anyway. Right. Flash was good. Now I'm to happy the Flash is back. I missed the Flash. Right. Ooh, now it's your And I like uh, him in the new costume. Oh, yes. I marked oh. out. And that was one of those things that was like that was like teased out to be a spoiler, you know, like before the season debuted. It's like, check out the Flash's new costume. And I'm like, it's the Flash. It's a new costume. I'll see it in the show. And, oh, man, it's red. It ain't maroon, man. It's red. And it was awesome. But it also comes out of the ring now. Yes. And who created the the costume for him? Uh, it was Ryan Choi, the, that, that Adam. Right. They didn't say it was the Adam, but it was she, Ryan Choi. Right. So I'm like, I'm liking that kind of stuff. Oh, and when XS says, I like the lightning bolt on dad, but it's, you know, because it's better than lightning lads one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, Legion of Superhero stuff. <laughs> Oh, Flash. I'm so glad it's back. I'm so glad that little corner of the DC Universe exists for me to be happy about, as opposed to the other darker corner that's scary and unnerving. Oh, <laughs> speaking of scary and unnerving. Oh, let's get into Doctor Who, episode, uh, episode two of the new season. Right. So, uh, as we laugh, last left our uh, Whoers, they were whisked <laughs> off into the dark recesses of space. And they get picked up. There's two girls and two boys in this group. And I say girls and boys. You know, they're adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the two girls get picked up by a man in space. And the uh, two boys get picked up by a girl in space. I didn't even think of that. But go ahead. I know. It's a little little interesting. little just something there. I don't think it was intended to be anything more than just here it is how we're splitting people up. But. Right. How we're. It's always sunning the group. Right, and uh, their names are Angstrom and Ebzo, Espo, Esposito. Sure. Okay. Uh, So they are people in a race uh, to get to the end of whatever it is uh, that this hologram guy is telling them to go on. And at the end, they get... Lots of riches, whatever the riches of this universe, of this world, of this planet are. Mm-hmm. And there's a cute little bit where they're like, they exchange. say, what the, yeah, they, with the ex- they talk about the exchange rates and it's no help, but it was a fun little bit. Right. Yeah. And the reason that they were led onto this, which is the doctor and uh, his companions, I guess he's got three, she's got, excuse me, she's yes. got three companions this season, mm-hmm. yes. uh, is that she is looking for her TARDIS. And really, at the end of the day, Todd, aren't we all looking for our TARDIS? That is our, my life motto. Mm-hmm. Find my TARDIS. Right. I just moved the potatoes, and there it was. <laughs> you know, that's one of my favorite gags from... Uh, uh, fables. I know it's right. an old joke. I never read it, so. Ah, oh, so Prince Charming is a piece of garbage, right? Right. And he's out to eat at a restaurant, and the waitress comes over and pull. It's a fancy restaurant, so she politely says, "How did you find your steak, sir?" And he goes, "I moved the potatoes, and it was right there." <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Right. 
<laughs> so whenever anyone says to me, how did you find blank? I would say, I moved the potatoes and they were right there. Even if it's no context and it's a joke that no one gets but me, it's a joke right. just for me. And sometimes those are the best ones. Anyway, Doctor Who. Right. Uh, you know, it was good. Um, I, special effects weren't as bad as I was hoping they would be. Uh, some of it was actually really good. That ship on the planet looked really cool, like when it landed. Yep, yep. And they come out of it, and I was like, and then there was robots with guns, so. But, uh, I, I thought the episode was a little slow, mm-hmm. um, because it was a lot of, like, exposition and stuff like that. But in the end, like, you know, she, my thing is the hunt for the TARDIS, which was like, that was basically, it was a two-parter. It's missing. Um, uh, my heart grows two sizes too big when you see the doctor find her TARDIS again. And she's like, oh, you know, there you are. I missed you. And to me, in a weird way, just because the, it's like peanut butter and jelly, lobster and butter. It's the doctor and TARDIS. You know what I mean? So that, that, to me, that I just love that moment. And now it's going to go on. Uh, the story can move along. I was actually thinking this whole season might be the hunt for the TARDIS, mm. which would be weird because there was a whole like era with the third doctor who he was stranded on earth and he lost the, like the time Lords took away his ability to like work the TARDIS for better or worse. And he was just stranded on earth and his whole thing was, all right, I'll help out with adventures and stuff. But my whole real being is I want to figure out what I'm doing so I can leave. And that was an interesting era and I thought maybe we would go, and you hardly ever saw the TARDIS, so I thought maybe that's the route we would go with this. It was her hunting for a TARDIS, and then getting rides and, you know, teleporting, whatever. But in the end, she finds it, and I'm like, okay, basically, we're good. And the interior wasn't as goofy as I thought, because it got a new interior. Um, at some point, I had seen pictures where there was, like, really bright neon purple, and it looked... It looked terrible, but somebody, I think, tweaked with the colors and looking at the new interior, uh, I, I didn't mind it as much as I, as I thought it was going to from the pictures I saw. But overall, I like the episode. We find out that the planet that they're on, Desolation, was a testing ground for weapons and destructive stuff from Tim Shaw's people from the first episode. So that's kind of like a, a crossover. And then these these things that were cleaning up the dead bodies and stuff like that. We're talking to the doctor and maybe that might be another through line that they, they mentioned some stuff and she says, get out of my head. So I don't know if that's stuff that's going to go through the rest of the season because the showrunner said most of these episodes are going to be one and done stories. But it seems like since this planet was, like I said, the, the, the testing ground of the, the, the people from last and we still never found the daughter uh, the the sister from the first episode that they stole the little girl. Yes. I think we're gonna find more out about the the Tim Shaw's people as we go, if that makes any sense. So I'm I'm looking forward to see where we go. Right, and and again, I don't follow any of this sort of nonsense. Um, you know, but I I do, every time somebody shows up on the show, right, and they're new to me, I go, oh, I wonder if that's someone from an old episode. I wonder if this is a new person. I wonder what's going on. Right. And it's funny because so far nobody's uh, been before. The, everybody you've met is all new characters. Right. And 
You'd mentioned these were like the Tim Shaw people. They mentioned Tim Shaw again by name in this episode. And right. I know that you're talking about them saying that these are going to be all one and done episodes. But yes, it certainly seems like they have a plan of what they're doing with this going forward. And you had mentioned the things that you had mentioned. It reminded me to bring it up how they were seeing something inside the doctor's head, right? Right. And whatever it was that they referred to. Is this new information to you as a Doctor Who fan? Yes. Okay. They're ca calling her the abandoned one. Up to this point um, in the Doctor's storyline is something happened, like, and I like it. Imagine Wolverine. Like, the Doctor is like Logan in that his origins are steeped in mystery. We've had different versions of it told over the years of why he ran away. And not even like definitive things. It was like, ah, something happened and maybe it was kind of sort of this. But it's never said that's what it is. All we know is that one day the doctor got fed up, bored, ran, was scared. Like we've had different versions, steals a, a, a broken TARDIS and leaves. And this now is maybe saying she was abandoned years ago. Like this could be another like like joker origin i remember it a different way i'm not saying that that's the way it is it's just what we're told and i don't know so i'm thinking maybe it has something to do with her that she was abandoned or her leaving gallifrey wasn't was abandoning something i don't know all new information and i'm hoping they touch more upon it right and that's what i was just hoping if this was if this in fact was new information right but uh yeah uh it was good. I don't think it drug as much as you felt, but again, I'm new to this whole thing, so. And I was actually discussing that with someone where I said, I think Joe might not, because the the adventure-esque of it sometimes, it was a lot of them, like, discussing and not, you know, running and fighting, kind of like when they get to the robots and stuff. Um, it was a more, like, getting to know the two contestants in the space cannonball run. And I like when you find the two stories, the two stories were really good where you find out that she's doing it because, uh, actually again, Tim Shaw's people are, uh, cleansing her people. And you find out from the other guy and the other guy's story is like, right. Why he trusts nobody. And he tells the story of his mother in the tree. Oh my God. I was like, Oh my God. And he's like, why should I ever trust anybody again? And I'm like, and it kind of like, it didn't, it didn't make you like, you didn't like that guy going on, but at least after you heard that story, you could understand that guy. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, so I don't hate him anymore. I feel sorry for him. And then like the way they, they end up solving the thing where they walk through the tent hand in hand. And she basically tells him like, don't trust anybody. Yeah. You don't trust anybody, but you're an old man. You're, you, you're hurt. I could beat you in a heartbeat. So let's do this together. And it's kind of like a, like, that's what I like about Doctor Who. There's always like, even when it's desolate and there's, but they try to give you hope. And even she's like, I hate guns. And it's the positivity that we always talk about, like the grim dark in comics and everything. There is grim in Doctor Who, but the Doctor always finds a way to rise above it. And it's inspirational to me in a way. And that's why I do love the show after, you know, all the years that I've been watching it. Right, and the, so you're saying the Doctor is much like John Cena, that she is able to rise above hate. Yes, and yes, that's what it is. If I was going to say uh, anybody was like the Doctor, I would say it was John Cena, and now I know why you wear your John Cena hat. 
That's right, because I think it's a Doctor Who hat. That exactly. It comes full circle. Yes. If only they had a um a Doctor Who scarf. Is there a doctor that wears a scarf? I think there is a sparkly scarf. Mm. All right. So, is there anything else that we need to discuss this week, or? No, I don't think so. All right. Uh, good TV talk, good comic book talk, good, good episode, I'd say. I'm actually surprised. You know what? I'm, I don't know what I should be more surprised with. Adam, as far as he is into Atod's wrestling, mm-hmm. or the fact that you're as far into Doctor Who as you are. Right. I want to see who taps out first. Well, he's got a six-episode head start on me. True. And Doctor Who's only ten episodes. I could outlast him. All right. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. All right, everybody. So for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 420 of Longbox Heroes. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! Am I going to throw you and the tablet out of here? (laughs) Don't mess with it. All right. It's week seven for the football picks. Don't you take that out. I'm dad. I'm dad. I'm not going to play. All right. Good. Week seven. We got 10 right last week. Yeah. 10 out of 14. That's pretty good. I had people telling me that they were mad because you're doing better than they are. Tons of people. Very upset. I never watch football. <laughs> I know, that's the joke. That's the whole joke of it. We don't even watch football, and we're doing better than other people who do watch football. I got crap all over me. All right, let's do our picks so we can get back to uh, watching our tablets and fixing the heat, huh? This game. Broncos. Broncos. How about this one? Titans. This one? Eagles. Of course the Eagles, right? Yeah. This one? Jets. This one? Bills. This one? Bears. This one? Buccaneers. This one? Jaguars. Jaguars. This one? Say it louder. Lions. This one. Ravens. Say it louder. Ravens. Let's say you're a big loudmouth like your dad, and all of a sudden you're quiet. You clam up the microphone in front of you. This one. Cowboys. This one. Wait, what one? This one. 49ers. This one. Chefs. Chiefs. Chiefs. That's a tough one because the eye is so small. Last one. Giants. All right, everybody. What are you watching on your tablet? Uh, let me see. Hold on. What? All right. 
Goodbye. He's messing around Wait. with his password. What? You want... oh, okay. What are you watching? You tell me. I can't see it. I can't help you guys. Right. Hello, guys. Welcome I don't know why we waited then. Thanks for listening, everybody.